Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I am pumped honored and excited that you have joined us today for what will be a cracking episode. This week, we're talking about process. We're talking about sales process. In particular, we're talking about how to sell with ease. And we're joined by Chris Murray, the author of Selling With Ease. And we're going to talk a bit about why process is important when trying to drive pipeline velocity, when trying to take your customers to that point and prospects to that point of decision. So this is going to be an awesome episode. And you know, I'm very excited about this because this is leading into, we've got a number of brilliant thought leaders coming onto our show. And next month, we're starting our practitioner series to the Sales IQ podcast, where we talk to you know people in business activating, executing all these awesome theories that we've been talking about over the past 12 months. So before we get into it, we have a message from our sponsors, Vanilla Sales. So guys, for all of you out there, for most sales professionals, we are all using a CRM. You know, CRM was designed for managing relationships. However, sales engagement is designed for starting them. Now, current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform like no other. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. So guys, if you're using another sales engagement platform, stop right now and head over to VanillaSoft.com. Get yourself a free trial because it will help you close more deals. It will help you have more conversations so you can get more opportunities in your pipeline and close more deals. So thank you to the team at VanillaSoft for bringing you this podcast on how to close more deals. So guys, buckle up, enjoy Selling With Ease. All right, so um, yeah, today we have Chris. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, fantastic, man. So how's, how's the weather um, over there? In is it, it's a nice summer summer day in Manchester. It's uncharacteristically sunny in Manchester today. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's been wonderful. We've just been through our own level of monsoon, and uh, and the sun's come out, and and God's in His heaven, everything's good. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> so is it a nice um, hot twenty four degrees? It is, although just uh, just over the, uh, the the English Channel currently, in, uh, in, I've got colleagues in Paris, and it's forty two degrees in Paris oh. today. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I know that uh, whenever it's you know twenty four, twenty five, that's it's a hot, scorching day in Manchester. So, um, <laughs> there's, there's always a reason to complain in England about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, thank you very much. We're honoured to have um, you on the show today and uh, talk about. You know how to increase conversions with ease, and 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 we'll talk mm-hmm. a bit more about the ease sales process, and 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 get into that. So it's going to be an exciting session. But before we get into um, dive deep into that, tell us a bit more about yourself and how you started in the world of sales. Yeah, with pleasure. I was um, I, I was 
at best, if you if you look back at, at, at younger me, I was, I was I was a bit of a lucky chancer who had a, a number of excessively good mentors who saw some level of um, of opportunity in, in in developing me and and some potential. Um, I was I was the kind of salesperson back in the late eighties that I still see on a regular basis now, which is I've got the patience of a saint when it comes to training because somebody spent an awful lot of time with me, but I, um, I, I went into business to business sales with, uh, photocopiers with Minolta, yep. which gave me an incredible amount of, of, of training. It was top class training, and but I call it the best training and the worst training I ever received. I mean, the best training, we still use some of it today with Varda Cruz. Yep. But I call it the worst training because when I came out of it, I actually sold less than when I went in, and that really wasn't the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, they just, but they'd stripped the Chris Murray, they stripped the personality uh, out of the sale. I was, I was actually doing half decently because of the way I was approaching it. And I was so concerned about where I was up to with, you know, the right, close or uh, overcoming the, 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 the particular objection or using the right mm. kind of question mm. that um, I, I forgot that actually it required a level of humanity. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, but that, so that was my first lesson in sales training that really didn't dawn on me until much later on. But then I was very lucky to um, to fall into um, the drinks business and uh, which was a superb career. I, I worked with the French minister of agriculture for a while. And then I was with Moet and Chandon and Jim Beam in Chicago uh, and headed up a couple of sales director's roles before going into the very difficult world of charity. And I ran a number of commercial teams with a number of charities. And if anybody's worried about the amount of competition that uh, they currently suffer with, then go into the world of charity because, mm. you know, if, you, um, if you're collecting for, um, for kids, uh, charities for instance then there are thousands of kids charities yep. but not only that you go and present the kids charity and the person you're presenting to actually has a fondness for dolphins or poorly beagles or um you know so, um that, that that competition was tough but i i decided around about 14 years ago that helping people become better tomorrow than they were yesterday with my own sales teams and and, and the largest sales team that i looked after was about 100 people oh, wow. uh, with yeah, well, clearly with, with regional managers and, and regional directors, but um, I loved training those people and I loved giving them the opportunity that I'd been given way back with Minolta and um, Moet and, and, and Jim Beam. And um, so we set up Varda Cruz because we thought if that's the best part of the job, then let's make that the job and uh, cr try and create a sales training company that we couldn't find when we were sales directors. Okay, and so what you talk about what you couldn't find, what makes you know, your organization different from a training perspective? Well, we, we, we live on three words, which is uh, effective, engaging and bespoke. Yeah. Um, but which, first of all, you know, the, the, I, I say to most salespeople in, in, our, in, our, in our sales training days, you know, find out the key thing that people don't trust about your industry and then put the opposite into everything you do. Mm -hmm. And um, I think with sales training, people don't believe it's going to work. You know, so so that's why effective is our number one word. If um, if you're going to stand in front of ten to five hundred people and give them something they can go and help change their career, help change their life, help change their pocket, you know. Yeah, absolutely. 
everybody goes away and has a nice day. That, that's 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 not a good sales training day. Everybody goes away and 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 gets a tick box of of being reminded of the things they already know. That's 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 better, but it's still not a great day. I, yeah, I want to go in there and and um, and increase somebody's um, sales uh, production by about ten to thirty percent. If mm-hmm. I can do that. Uh, if, if nothing else, you should be able to pay for a day's training for an individual in the first week. If you can't do that, you wasted your money. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, and that's funny when we spoke prior to jumping on the show. But there's a lot of you know we're now in a in a, a really saturated market. When you think about um, you know, the, I'm not that old in comparison to um, you know from a, I'm still quite you know new to my craft been doing this for a number of years I don't know I was, where you're going with that though yeah. <laughs> compared to you no. Chris <laughs> no 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 that's because you're a Manchester fan see I died to try to rub it in um, but <laughs> I think from my perspective like when I was first you know looking for books and, and training um, the the amount of content available back in the you know when I first started out to now it's it's huge you know and you've got the likes of youtube linkedin and the challenge that presents is as as a sales professional looking to master my craft um we -hmm. can get we we, we can get conflicting information and there's so much content out there how do you you know much the challenge is how do i actually take that content and apply it um and and that's where i find you know and then that's some of that's that's why i wanted to talk to you about your book because one of the things i liked about your book is it's actually very you've made the complex simple yeah and that, sorry that, that that was that was a really big job with both with, with all the selling and sales management workshops we do yeah. and the books i'm fed up of people trying to make this complicated just to help them look clever yeah you know, I, I, we, we have we have a place in the south of france where i write my books um and um usually i spend a good time it's classed as vacation time, but I'm on the beach, and I'm, what I what I'll do is I will I will take a concept and I will drill down until it's as simple as I possibly can. If I can make sure that my kids understand it, yeah. they're a little bit older now. Yeah. If you can explain it to a twelve year old, you've probably got it right. If a twelve year old looks at you like a dog, yeah, like like a dog that's just been told a joke, then then <laughs> then you probably haven't got your message across. You know? yeah. And I hear, and that's and that that's what I find like. Where I get lost in some concepts and some books is when I start to read it, and you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm never going to say I'm the smartest guy going around because I'm not, right? But the great thing about what we do in in the sales profession, yes, we have to have some commercial acumen and we've got to have the ability to lead with insight, etc. You know, and be able to problem solve and think critically and think on our feet, right? But mm-hmm. ultimately, the great thing about what we do is the simplicity. If we're able to help a customer articulate what their problem is and paint a picture of what the future state could look like and how they can get there, then you know what? It's very, it's actually a very simple process. Um, Absolutely. And, and in, between, in, in between that, doing, without, doing it without making them look foolish or feel foolish. Absolutely. And, and sorry to yeah. go on this rant, but look, one of the books that I, I enjoyed reading, but then I was really challenged by the concept was a challenger sale because – yeah. The premise of that is going, let's lead yep, lead with insights one thing, but telling somebody that's an expert that, you know, that's what they do every single day of their life, in their working life, that what you're doing is wrong is <laughs> potentially, <laughs> you know, creating a divide before you even 
get into that. And we haven't even earned the right. So I know that I'm getting excited because, like I said, I really enjoyed the book and I want to want to break it down. But um, so yeah. where did the motivation come to develop the e-sales process? Well, actually, the e-sales process is is just like one of those natural sort of like laws it, it happens it's a cycle that um yeah. that i la- i labeled rather than invented it's um the, the ease for for people who don't know stands for earn the right ask the appropriate questions solve the problem and execute the solution yep and uh, it's, yeah. the, it's the four-step cycle that you'll find in every sale it doesn't matter if you're selling a television absolutely or if you're selling a nucleus yeah or a nuclear submarine uh, you've got to earn the right uh for, to, to move forward you have to ask incredibly in, inside a question so you can really find out how to help you solve the problem you've uncovered and then you execute your, the solution and on the, if, if anybody looks at this this ease cycle on the outside that you've, you've got uh, commitment at the top so mm. earn the right which is the top right uh, hand corner you, is, is you committing to the customer and uh, uh, and executing the solution is the customer committing to you because I don't like the words closing yeah. I think closing makes yeah. it sound like there's something clever that you can do at the end. And that's not true. You, what you're trying to do is gain commitment all the way around. Yeah. And uh, yeah. If, if, your, if your purpose for going and meeting a client or prospect was to um, gain their business and help them with something, then you don't close that at the end. It's, you start the close, essentially, as soon as you open your mouth. Mm. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. A, it's, it's, it's a cycle. Yeah, you're gaining com- commitment all the way around there. Yeah, and that, and, and you know what? I, I actually that really resonates with me. And one of the one of the um, thought leaders, and and you would know him, Anthony Inarino. And the thing that I love about, oh, yeah. you know, because for me, from a B two B perspective, he, he, you know, we spoke about guru expert. He is a guru. Um, you yeah. know, I love the concept of you know the, the close is not a single event that happens when you say yep it's a it's a there are multiple levels of commitment that occur from the point of you know from that very first moment of i need to exchange time i've got to give you value to get some time right up to that you know commitment for change and then commitment to execute right so um, and hence why i love you know looking at the ease cycle um Sure. You know, the relevance and connection of that into the sales process. So, um, look, let's let's actually break this down because if we look at it, yes, you're right. There's four simple steps, but mm-hmm. earning the right, and this is something that I'm really, really intrigued to understand from you. Um, it sounds very simple, but tell us a bit more about these steps, this this particular step, and why it's such an important part of every sales conversation. Okay, then. So it's um, difficult to do without the visual in in, 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 in some respects here, but let me do, do my very best to paint you a picture. When we first start, and I start the book with this, I start every sales training workshop, I start every keynote with this. Let's start off by changing the word selling for helping. Yeah. Let's, uh, everybody goes out to sell at people, but in the 21st century, I don't need anybody to sell at me because if I want something, I can find it on the internet. It's uh, if I know I want it, I can look it up and I can I can find you. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't need you to bother me. However, I don't necessarily know what I need help with. And, w- and when salespeople go out to help people rather than sell them, their whole mindset, their whole body language, everything about uh, about the way they they interact with clients and prospects uh, changes. 
because you're not trying to take money off me anymore. You're trying to help me and charge accordingly for it. Yep. You know? So, and I come back to what you said about the challenges uh, sale. It's a great book, a great concept. You, you've got to go out there and, 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 and in a sense, essentially help people to see what they don't know. But you're right. You're telling professionals, you know, that they don't know what they're doing for a living, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and, and nobody likes to be told they've got an ugly baby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Even people... Even people with ugly babies don't like that. <laughs> so the um, so 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 you don't go around and poke them in the eye, but if if they need your help, then and it was a friend who needed your help, you would find a way of explaining to them why they needed your help, and then show them how you could help. You know, if yeah. if it's and and if you're doing it for that purpose, I mean, it's it's it, it's good old sort of old-fashioned values, really. Mm. Is and if you if you if you go out and try and and sell stuff and try and find customers. They're really hard to find. Yep. If you go out and try and find people to help, you'll find people will accept it and you'll find them all over the place. And this is really interesting, right? Because I think when I look at, like when you actually think about, okay, what makes a great sales professional, you mm. can kind of split it up. And if you look at the brain and say, okay, the brain, you could split it up the left part and say, you know, the component, the mindset of a sales professional is one that helps, leads with insight, you know, they plan that there's all those characteristics and the sales skills are sort of on the other side. Um, and I hope I've painted that picture. I haven't confused the, you know, the, the hell out of everything, but I often find it, um, that, you know, people, are, there was, and there was a post today on LinkedIn and I, I, I can't remember the exact, um, focus of the post but they said you know the new age buyer is looking for people to help them but i would argue that that concept of help like when i look at you know dale carnegie's book you know um napoleon hill look these are books are nearly 100 years old they they yeah. all spoke about helping others um yeah so you know, you, you've mentioned that and say, well, we've got to lead with help. It's not about selling them something. It's not about pushing something onto them. So, you know, that's a mindset. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's even more important in the 21st century because if prospecting is professionally interrupting people, yep. then in the 21st century, when I can find exactly what I want with the click of a mouse, I don't even need you to professionally interrupt me. Yeah. Because if something is missing out of my life, I will stop what I'm doing and I'll go and find it. You know, when we're talking about prospecting and in Learn the Right, prospecting fits into that. Although I've got a new book coming out in a little while called Five Point Prospecting because so many people are talking about that tiny slice of the pie in Earn the Right that uh, it's, it deserved its own. Yeah. Its own, um, yeah. But the... Um, yeah, well, when you're trying to earn the right and you're trying to, and you're trying to get in front of people and professionally interrupt them. What you've got to look for is people with a bleeding neck, you know, because if you're selling bandages, you want people with a bleeding neck. Yeah. Because yeah. without the bleeding neck, you might, might buy a couple for the, for storage, but the people with the bleeding neck, they're, they're going to pay you well for it. Mm. And um, yeah. essentially, in the 21st century, when I can find everything I want, then if, if, I've, if I know I've got a bleeding neck, again, I don't want you to interrupt. And understanding and finding the people who genuinely need your help but don't might not even know it that's a new 21st century skill i mean we, we did it we did it a wee bit in the 80s and 90s and um which is when i was operating yeah. um 
previously. Yeah. But the, uh, we did it a bit in the 1890s, but we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have laptops. We didn't have emails. I had a pager for the entirety of the 90s. Sorry, could I, I, I think people go, what, what's a pager? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, in, it's in case anybody had one of those photocopier emergencies. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and it was... And, and, and I had to go into a, a payphone to make a call to the office or to a customer if it was an emergency. Yeah. There was a yellow page where people found stuff and you went around knocking on doors and collecting compliment slips. Yeah. But those were the foundations and, and, and the, the deep-rooted um, uh, sort of laws and truths about selling, which still exist. They yeah. have just been enhanced yeah. by what we're doing. But... The thing is, what has enhanced as well is the fact the customer really doesn't think they need you now. And uh, and and there's a, there's a Portuguese word called saudade. Yeah. And yeah. there's no direct translation in, in English, uh, but it's used a lot in Portuguese and Brazilian art and music and poetry. And it's a feeling that, that you need something, that, that something's missing in your life. It's usually, it's usually based around a missing person or a missing love. And you really wish that you had that in your life, but it doesn't exist. So you don't go looking for it. Yep. It's just yeah. it's just a sense of something missing. And in the 21st century, our customers are suffering with problems that they don't even know we can solve. And again, to come back to the challenger thing, it's, the challenger thing is not to prove that those people are wrong. It's to give them some fresh information so they can make a new decision. Mm. And... And this is where you know what, and this is where I, I, I've I've loved some of the debate on on online around um, this whole concept, is that you know the, the the true sales professionals, the ones that continue to develop to develop their craft, and yeah. are able to provoke, and I love that word is you know provoke the customer, engage with them, lead with insight, insight. And then earn the right to have that conversation are the ones that, you know, then they're, they're not going to worry about being made redundant or the risk of automation, right? <laughs> no. Because that is the skill. There is a skill. There is a, um, you know, I talk about getting rejected, getting the message wrong, and that's what I love about Tony Hughes, and he talks about that value narrative. Um, mm -hmm. So we'd love to understand. You know, we want to know about well, how do we how do we increase conversions. With ease, and and yeah. we say that because that, that that is a hot topic for sales leaders, for salespeople. What is it? Sixty percent of salespeople are meeting quotas. So there's a lot of people that are out there um, spending a lot of time not hitting hitting the number. Right? Um, mm -hmm. The number ain't going to change. It's probably going to get higher. Right? Um, okay. So you know, um, so from your perspective, out of the four steps within the sales cycle that you've um, you know, crafted. What step is the most important that salespeople should be spending their time developing their skills around? I think, like I say, earn the right is the most is, is possibly the most important, yeah. um, and it's it's the thing that people want to skip past. Um, when I talk to sales directors, they say to me, "You know, Chris, I want you to help my guys close more sales. If they can just close more sales, that'll solve all my problems." <laughs> and actually, it's not the it's not the close that's wrong. There's, there isn't any Jedi mind trick. To, um, to, to convince someone who doesn't want your stuff at the end of a sale. Yeah. And if, if, if there is anything particularly persuasive and you sell somebody something they didn't want, well, that's just fraud, isn't it? I mean, it's just that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm trying to train people and work with people um, 
uh, with with the mindset that they might might one day sell to me, and I don't want to be ripped off. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're just perpetuating that that myth of of, of, of the um, of the trilby wearing sales person who comes in, takes the order, and then is out out of town. And um, and to be fair, just to get I will get on to your point, but to be fair, I, I see thousands of salespeople every year, and. Um, 60% of them, you, you, you wonder how they're keeping employed. You know, Sales is one of those things every now and again that you think people just get into because they can drive and speak. And, um, and, and, and I'm, 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 that seems overly harsh, but yeah. it's a yeah. profession. It's a skill. Sometimes it's an art. Yeah. And the people yeah. at the top of that um, tree, the sort of top 10 and 20%, you're right, those people won't get made redundant. Mm. Th- th- those those people have got, people are scratching for those people. They'd love to have them working on their team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and then sort of the 30% in between that, they're, they're good. They're, they, they keep, they keep the, um, the wheels of industry moving. Yeah. But you can't save them all. So the bottom 20%, yeah, you're just, are just hoping that it's going to get easier, and it doesn't. It, 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 you, just, you know, Jim Rohn, don't don't wish for uh, for less problems. Wish for for more skills. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so here's the thing. Why is it the right the most important? I want you to think of a little boat traveling uh, from London to New York across the Atlantic. If you imagine um, that your little boat knows where it's going, every time you're off course, you correct yourself, and you end up in New York. However, if you start off one degree out on that journey, you don't end up just outside New York by the time you get to to, to the other side of the Atlantic. You're you're about a thousand miles up in Canada. Yeah. And it's and the reason it's so important is because earn the right is is that part of the journey where you, if you start out one degree off, you get to a place which I call the commitment gap. You get to a place where it should have been a sale. They wanted your help. They thought they wanted your help. You knew you could help them. And they just, you know, the lizard brain kicks in and they say, do you know what? It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to think about it. And my point about getting Earn the Right back, I mean, this is sort of after you've, you, you, the, the prospecting section of Earn the Right, but after, you, after you've got this part of it right, there's probably two out of 10, three out of 10 sales that, that, that you should have got but didn't because of that. Yep. And if you can perfect it in the right, if you people buy value and trust, yep. it's the two things that people buy. If you if you buy a pack of cornflakes, then if you buy a branded pack of cornflakes, you buy it because you think the the taste quality of the brand is is great value, and you trust it's always going to be the same. Mm. If you buy the own brand supermarket um, breakfast cereal, then you think that the supermarket. Um, you trust the supermarket to give you the, a good enough flavor and you think it's better value because you paid less. Yeah. If you go on to Harrods and buy Harrods cornflakes, then the same reason. You trust that Harrods cornflakes are going to be better than the well-known branded version, and so you don't mind paying a little bit more than that. But everything, everything in the world is sold on value and trust, and it's all built or lost in Earn the Right. So this this is a pretty important subject, right? And, we, and I'm... I'm because if we look at now, um, a lot of businesses, especially in that SaaS tech space, they're segmenting their their team down um, and having SDRs, the booking appointments for the BDRs or the BDRs and the AEs, whichever way they structure it, right? Um, and essentially, the SDR model is one where 
they're quite young um, when you look at the majority of the people in those roles um, and they don't get they haven't got the experience um, you know expertise or training behind them around you know how do I get that conversation going to earn the right um, you know from from your perspective where do you see the SDR model you know going wrong or are they getting it absolutely bang on because they're earning the right when they're when they're when they're conducting their outreach um well i, I wouldn't say they're getting it completely right the, the thing is you've got to you've got to take it back to your own personal experiences and just just yeah th this happens everywhere in the world i go from central africa to the united states canada europe you know wherever wherever i end up you, you ask a lot of people what, what they don't like about salespeople and to name their two favorite sales experience over whatever amount of time they want. And they give you a huge list, which doesn't change anywhere in the world Absolutely. about the things they don't like. Yeah. yeah? And it, it's, it was really heartening, actually, because it were, as you were going to, you know, dare I say, uh, more and more foreign countries that, that, that you think something's going to be different about uh, just about sort of the way that life is over here. Maybe, you know, there's going to be something about the culture that's going to change these answers. And they never change. Mm. It's, it's, it's If you wrote a list of the 20 things you don't like about salespeople, that's the same one you get everywhere in the world. Yeah. And you, so, so you ask, and then, and, and then you try and think about the two, the, the two, three times that, that you can honestly say that you really enjoyed w working with the salesperson. And that's pretty much the number that you can get up to. Because commenting on good salespeople is a bit like people commenting on good drivers. Everybody will comment on a bad driver when they're driving around. <laughs> but you very rarely sort of like go, now I admire the way he took that roundabout. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I was just going to say, out of, and out of that list, let's, let's focus on the positive, yeah. right? So what are the two things or, what, you know, what, what's the experiences that people have remembered and spoken about in a positive light from an interaction with the sales professional? Well, it comes down to a couple of things with customer service. In customer service, there's satisfiers and dissatisfiers. Yeah, and it's the same. It's the same when you're dealing in, with with managing people, and it's the same when you're selling, uh, and 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 within account management. But so, so if if everybody that thinks customers are satisfied, the things that customers are satisfied with, are actually the things I was already expecting. You cannot make me happy with the stuff I already expect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you go to a restaurant and you give me hot food. I'm not going to write to the manager, you know, and say, by the way, thank you so much. I ordered fish and chips and the fish and chips were both perfect temperature because I expected that. Yeah. But with yeah. the things I expect, you can, you can dissatisfy me by getting it wrong. And, you know, you, you don't walk into the toilets and, and, and come back and say, I've, I've got to ring people. Have you seen? They beautifully clean those toilets. <laughs> and so the, the, all the issues with regards to why people and not satisfied with salespeople is because we're getting those foundation stones wrong time and time again. We'd rather try and be clever and take somebody's money than look after them properly and help them and and and, and move life along and move the perception of salespeople. Mm. And so on that, when you talk about that perception, right, and the value that yep. customers want, and, and I, I hear that. There's a minimum expectation. No longer is, you know, well, I'm doing this. The expectations have increased, right, from a couple that I see. Yeah, anyway. huge, usually. 
And is it important for us that if we are going above and beyond the the minimum expectation that we actually call that out and quantify that with our customers so that they see it as value? Well, I, I, it always comes up in, in conversation about um, about how important relationship is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. you know, salespeople across the world sit on the fact that they're great relationship builders. Well, of course you are. You're in sales. Yeah. It's a prerequisite. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all about the relationship, Chris. No, the, the relationship is an expectancy. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I expect you to be half decent, chatty, friendly human being. Mm. I'm, otherwise, everybody who works on a doctor's reception are going to sales. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to, if you want a load of grumpy people, you, why would you buy off people you don't? And and then the second thing about buying about buying from relationships that they all buy from 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 me because I'm me. Well, how many bad secondhand cars would you buy off your brother? Yeah. You know, after you bought the first yeah. one, and I've got a great relationship with my brother, but if he sold me one dodgy secondhand car, I'd be a bit steady about the second one. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so it's yeah. people buy things they want off people they enjoy doing business with, and nobody minds paying, but nobody wants to overpay. Yeah, that's that, 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 that. If it, there's some people who genuinely think that their entire business is built on the fact that they they have their relationship with their customers, and it's just it's just not true. It's it's just a it's a prerequisite. It, you have to have it, and it's important, but it's not why people buy stuff. Yeah. So if we track back a moment, what I'm hearing is, you know, from an ease, you know, how do we increase conversions from an ease perspective? You know, using ease, it's about you know, getting the basics right from a, you know, you know what, relationship, um, customer expectations, customer service, they're the minimum. Um, getting in there and earning the right to have the conversation mm-hmm. with them from the point of prospecting um, right yeah. into the actual discovery process. Have I missed anything so far? No, not at all. You've... Um with regards, again, coming to the fact the difference between 1985 and, 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 and so, or 1989 and, and 2019 is, is the fact that these days you have to work on, on something classed as sort of customer attraction. Yeah. Just going, yeah. you know, just going into my office and slapping me with a haddock and hoping you'll sell me something. It just, if I, if I don't feel the need for you to be there before you've even arrived, then you probably won't have a great experience trying to sell me something. There isn't, you're not going to come into my office in 45 minutes and I'm going to follow you down the street while you play your magic sales flute. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. So so customer attraction is, it's, it's, it's not manipulative. It's, it's not clever. It's not magical. It's, it's just the fact of laying the ground and understanding how prospect has, how prospecting has changed from 30 years ago, but also how, um, uh, how how the customer expectation of, of of understanding my own needs before you walk in changes um, results. Absolutely. So that's you know to to confirm that is you know if if having walking a walking a mile in their shoes to understand yeah. what some of their pain points are, so that when we actually do engage with them, um, there is you know we are there is a connection. There is our is it our ability to actually say hey. I'm focusing on you. This is about you, your needs, and I'm here to help. Um, and then that's where the mindset component comes into it. Yeah, I, 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 I um, got coached and, and, and spent a bit of time um, learning at the, at the uh, 
at the feet of a guy called Perry Marshall, who, um, who wrote 8 to 20 Sales and Marketing. Yeah. And yeah. um, who is a complete genius. But you know, one, of, one of the things he mentions is, is, is the, and I love it, is the survey question. And if you, if you come up customer attraction and prospecting and trying to find the people with the bleeding neck, then there are a number of steps that we use in our prospecting workshops that get to this point because it is you have to earn the right to get there. But when you eventually send the message, because there's no selling in prospecting, it's very important. Mm. No, so if prospecting is sitting through mud and dirt and grit and finding the gold and then taking the gold down to town and selling that, you know that's that's people think yeah. that they have to start selling with prospecting. It's not true. But the um, yeah, so. Here's a quick bit of sales gold for you, and, and uh, this, this this will change somebody's career if somebody's listening to this and uses it properly. You you find the people who you most likely or most want to work with, and you send them the message, having built up some form of relationship so they already know who you are. You send them a message saying, over the next twelve months, what are the biggest um, problems or issues or uh, thorny pro- thorny roadblocks are going to stop you moving forward in the next 12 months in your industry you know or let's say you're selling kitchens to architects mr and mr architect uh over the next six months what do you think the uh, the biggest problem or issue is going to be um facing architects with regards to placing kitchens in high in high uh, yeah. ticket clients yeah the people who get back to you and say it's going to be this problem Luigi, this is what the problem is going to be they've got the, they've got the bleeding neck yeah most of the people who don't currently haven't got a problem with kitchens in architecture or whatever it might be. You see? And and, and so we've earned the right. We understand, not only do we understand the problem, but they've told us they've got one. Yeah, that's right. So we've got alignment there. So yeah. I'm going to ask a question, and I know, look, and this conversation doesn't go away, but, and, and look, I, um, I'm not going to lie, and people that, that listen to, to my show and that they, they see the posts I put out there and that, participated in my training i love the phone um purely because i broke my bone <laughs> like i've i learned the art of sales on the phone right um and however I, over the years i've learned to how do i incorporate other methods of prospecting to help me build my pipeline because for me pipeline is one of the keys to success right if my mindset's yeah. right and my pipeline's robust, I don't need to focus on the number because the magic will happen. Um, mm-hmm. And if it's not happening, if, you know, when this is, we we're talking about conversions, if I'm not getting the conversions I need, I don't focus on why I'm not closing. I've got to focus on the earlier stages of my pipeline. How am I showing up? What's my mindset? Am I positive? Am I negative? I'm talking to the wrong customers. What's in my pipe? Is there, you know, all that stuff that, that me and you love, right? Um, yeah. But I want to go back a minute because one of the things that I keep hearing about and it's a term that keeps getting pushed and pushed is social selling. Now, you mentioned something um, that's in the gold, which is prospecting is not selling. No. Now, social, that, you know, creating attraction, that's, in my mind, a prospecting activity. Would you agree? Well, I, I, I love the phrase social selling and I, and. Uh I have many conversations with a great guy over here called Daniel Disney. Oh yeah, well, he's he, he's he's fired at me this week. He uh, he drew a post about me and Pinocchio, and uh, in response to uh, he's been on my podcast. I, look, I get along well with him. Um, he's doing a great job, and uh, but I, I have pushed back on that concept of what I what social selling is because, um, yeah, but it, it it's not. <laughs> 
it's not so it's not just social sales it's, it's the title that you're given for the sales process that's yeah. that's, that's great and, and i mean dan talk about this all the time dan's a great guy and um he um yeah it, it, he might be using social media to uh, to get traction but his training and, and 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 his work doesn't finish with customer attraction and earning the right he, when he talks about social selling, he, he he does that, and then he talks about how he closed deals for so much, or how he helped people close deals for so much. Yeah. And so he did the customer attraction. He earned the right. He moved forward, and then they started selling. He, he, was, he talks about picking up the. He talks about going for a meeting. He talks about closing yeah. sales. It's the the so there's using social for customer attraction, and then there's selling. So just on that right, because I say this, I go. You know, we look at social, okay, what, what, what's great about social media now, it enables me to go, I can see you, I can connect with you at the click of a button. And before social was out, how do we do that? Like, and I still go to networking events now, right? I knew, okay, there's a client and, and look, um, I was very strategic back in, you know, in my hunting days. It was if I knew there was a, a sports team that had their major sponsor, there's a high likely chance that a key decision maker or an influencer of that sponsor would be there. So you would get yourself into a position at a networking event so that you can talk to them, right? Um, yeah. But you're not selling to them at that networking session going, hey, John, you know, great to me. I know, I know that you've got a problem and, you know, blah, 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 because I can't earn the right at that point to have that conversation yet. I've just got to attract, yeah. right? And so this is where my dilemma is, is saying social selling, connecting the two terms is kind of saying, well, hang on, we don't we don't cold sell, we don't network sell, we don't, um, you know, referral sell. No, all we're doing is creating, you know, a lead. We're getting a list. We're getting, we're getting engagement from people and we've got to earn that right first before yeah. even getting into a conversation where it talks about problem identification, potential, you know, future state. Because for me, that that's not living the values of a sales professional. Well, you've got to um, going back to my drink industry days, the um, and bef way before the internet and social media, you had you had three levels of 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 of, of the business that were trying to touch base with with the possible client base. So, and you had marketing. And you had sales, but in the middle of that, so you had marketing, which was which was all the big billboards, uh, magazine articles, big brand launches and stuff, and yep. the stuff that you don't want salespeople getting involved in. <laughs> and then you've got sales, which was completely sales. And I find a lot, I meet a lot of companies where there isn't an interaction between those, yep. and, and marketing aren't held responsible for the sales, although they they reckon they bring in more sales than the sales team. And you're thinking, guys, this, this you're not working together on this for the same aim. But in the drinks industry, in the in the middle of that, you had something called trade marketing, yeah, which was which was essentially, um, if if marketing was making sure that people knew we existed and sales was making sure it got behind bars and in supermarkets, then trade marketing was built to help supermarkets and bars sell the product, and 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 so you you created a way of of solving their problems, and it's sort of social media and social selling. Uh, Kind of working with social is is that part of marketing that salespeople get involved in? Yeah, it's yeah. you know that that's that it, that's the phrase for it. It's trade marketing. You, you if you if you've now got an opportunity because emails emails aren't social selling. That they're, they're electronic letters, you know. And and yeah. and, and um, 
and following somebody on social media is, is just prospecting, finding out the people who you want to work with, yeah. creating your perfect customer avatar, and then making sure they're aware of you. It's just all a spectrum of trade marketing that is not pure marketing, and it's not pure, it, it doesn't have any sales in it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I actually like the you know what you've discussed in that in that in that model. And so, if I am a salesperson that is at that point, like you said earlier, that I want to close more deals. Yep. Where should I be? Should it be the earning the right or should it be, am I asking the appropriate questions? From your perspective, is it earning the right that is one of the key you know, fundamentals that break down the sales process? Well, to, to, without confusing and bringing another picture in, but if you can think about three parts of, of – it's, 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 it's three parts of where problems exist in sales. And if you can imagine a Venn diagram of, of three circles, and uh, I've got PAC, which is presentations, agreements, and cost. And if you're not closing enough sales, it's not the sales cycle that's letting you down. It's, it's, it's not the ease cycle. It's where your focus is okay. within the entire 3D model of it. And so if, let's talk about presentations, okay? Some people say, I can close every deal if you just put me in front of enough of the right people. Yeah, I've heard that before. Okay? Yeah. So, so if, you re, if you're a retailer, you're looking for footfall. If you're selling on, um, if you're selling online, it might be website visits. If you're selling over the phone or um, or, or possibly with uh, demonstrations, that might that might be um, uh, phone calls numbers. And if and if you're B two B, it's probably the number of people you get to have a meeting with. Yeah. So the, yeah. so. Presentations. Are you doing enough presentations? If you're not doing enough presentations, your customer attraction and your prospecting part of earn the right is at fault. Okay. If it, coming around from that, if agreements is your problem, if you're seeing enough people, but you're not closing the deal, then your your actual step by step sales process, overcoming objections, understanding the product and believing it like an evangelist yourself. And um, and being able to ask great questions and being able to um, know when the business is is there and 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 sign the contract, that's that's your box of sales training negotiations. That's 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 real genuine sales skills. So if it's presentations that your problem, then it's prospecting. If it's uh, if it's agreements, then it's genuine sales skills. Yeah. But the C stands for cost, and it sort of all comes around to cost. Everybody thinks about money. But it's what you're willing to expend to get in front of the right people and to close the right people. And, and, that, and with expenditure, it's, it's time, money, and effort. Yeah. And, and you only have enough time to do an, a certain amount of work. Time will run out. I, I, I have 200 days a year that I actually have to work in, really. And of that, I am training between 80 or doing keynotes, 80 or 100 days of, of that 200. Yeah. I have a business to run and I have workshops to build and create. So that takes maybe another 60 days, about a day and a half a week. And that leaves me with 40 days a year. And if you think about it, if I'm trying to sell 100 uh, days training, I can't sell one day training courses to each people I, each the person I, I meet, because I'd only sell forty days worth of training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so time is really important, but effort is as, is as well. Because if if I want to, if, am am I willing to go and see four people every day, and, and over those forty days see one hundred and sixty? It would kill me, and it's probably practically impossible for what I do for a living. 
So that, you know, the effort is, is not necessarily what I can be bothered to do, but also what I'm able to do. Yeah. And then when it comes yeah. to money, it's, you know, how much is a new customer going to cost you? It's, it's, it's not a stupid question. If you sell something for £2,000 and it costs you £1,800 to, to, to find that customer, you're probably going out of business. Yeah. So, so the size of the customer, the opportunity with the customer, the time and the effort and the productivity that you have within your own organization all come into that because they then feed into how many presentations you have time to do and also what your closing rate is for that and what it needs to be when it comes to agreements. Yeah, that's gold. So you know what? You've just really articulated. That's a perfect – you've just completely articulated that, that – you know, and I, what I've read, what I've heard, and what I've noted down is essentially there's a cup. There's two key things there: is if the data or you know if the metrics that support my target are not being met, then I need to go back to the metrics, right? Yeah, and and everybody ignores that. That's really important. And if the metrics aren't be are you know are being met, then it's a process. It's a training. Something's breaking down. Um, yeah. And so very simple way to articulate, you know, for me to diagnose what a problem is and then look at the three things, time, money, effort. So, you know, understanding where do I need to spend my time that delivers a return? How much does it cost me to acquire a customer? And then, you know, where should I be focusing my attention and effort to drive the, you know, to drive the customers that are going to deliver me a return on my investment? That, that's it precisely. And, and, you know, my, my other acronym is FAME um, for, for sales managers. It's, it's a book that's coming out later this year as well. And, and the F in FAME stands for focus. And it's everybody skips over it and, and, and everybody just runs out and fights the war without actually preparing for it. <laughs> oh, no, they need to buy Sun Tzu's book, mate. You know, that, that book is still relevant <laughs> today. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. But, but yeah, if, if you if, – if, if, if Every, that other thing you mentioned then, because you've got presentations, agreements, and costs. Everybody, and sales directors and salespeople trying to do this all the time, they, they know they've got a problem, and they go to work on all three at the same time like they can, like they can spin that many plates. Mm. You work out where your real problem is first, yeah. whether it be seeing the right people, closing the right people, or focusing and, and understanding what you should be doing for a living properly. You work out which one of those is at fault with you, and you and you just go to work on that, and then you make a next decision on on what needs changing. Yeah, that's exactly. You know what? I, I love that concept because I, we can't. You know, I'm, I'm an old mentor of mine used to say, "How do we eat an elephant?" And it's one bite at a time because we just can't simply right. consume it all at once. So, this has been really insightful for me, Chris. And you've got a lot of bu- I've got I've got a lot of bullet points here, and you know, I'm going to surmise that at some point as well to to put in the show notes. So thank you for sharing that with us. I want to ask, I ask every one of my guests this question and you kind of touched on it earlier. Um, sales, in your opinion, is it a science or an art? Um, I think it's, um, it's a science that needs to be understood and, and one should never stop reading and growing and understanding our fellow human and the market. Yeah. And then it, it's an art because, you know, playing the guitar is a science. Yeah. But because, but um, but then again, I don't sound like Jimmy Page, you know. <laughs> one, one, of, one of my old musical mentors used to say to me, he said, everybody wants to know how to set up the guitar to sound like Brian May. And he said, the reason Brian May's guitar sounds like Brian May is because Brian May's playing it. Yeah. 
and um, it's it's true with it's true with sales. It's uh, it's it's a science. You've got to, you've, you have to know how the structure and the elements work together. But then it, each each one of us as human beings makes it the art form that that we can make it into and, and make it personal and and and, and brilliant. That's a brilliant. You know what? The brilliant, brilliant response. Great analogy. I really like that. You know, the science is is the the actual action, and it's the art of the person that makes it quite unique and individualistic. So, again, appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, if you could go back in time and do it all over again in your career, what's one thing you do differently? Mm, what would I do differently in my career? Um, I'd have started reading earlier. Okay. Yeah. Reading early, would, uh, yeah. But you know, the, the, the trouble is with that. It, you know, the uh, the teacher and the knowledge makes itself known for the student who's ready to hear it. And um, if uh, may, maybe maybe young Chris wasn't ready for that, I don't know. Young Chris wasn't ready for an awful lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I remember getting you know one of my first sales mentors, and uh, I thought, mate, well, you know what? I'm good. You know, I'm good at what I do. I was. I was too confident, too cocky. If you look at the disc quadrant, at that time, I was probably a D, right? A DI. Um, and it wasn't until I got smacked in the face, my biggest deal, you know, I think over 15 months of negotiation, um, and it completely fell over, not because of the customer, was because my, my social style did not adapt with a really high-end analytical buyer. And after okay. going through that experience of, oh, it's his fault, you know, I, I denied, <laughs> I blamed, I justified, I came to the realisation that, you know what, this is happening quite quite a lot. The deals that I'm losing, there's a bit of a trend here. <laughs> and so, Absolutely. you know, um, the Wilson Learning book that I got given, you know, f- a few years before that, I'm like, why would I read that book? All of a sudden became my Bible. And it became something yeah. that I studied. I studied, and then I went and continued to learn and learn more about disc. And and now, you know, ten, you know, what is it, twelve years later, um, the high end analytical buyers are my best friends because I'm able to adapt my style and help them and give them what they need to feel comfortable to move through that buying process. So, yeah, again, I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. You know, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready with the mindset to want to learn and to to embrace these new techniques. Mate, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, we've gone off on a, on a few different directions, but there's there's a lot of learning here for salespeople and sales professionals, new and mature, who want to who can close more deals and actually um, take some really solid you know uh, tips on how to help them close more deals. So I appreciate you coming on as a guest. Um, I appreciate what you do for our community. Um, like I said, your book was recommended by somebody that I respect. Um, and I, I've looked up okay. to for a number of years. So um, your book's great, mate, and we'll put where, where people can find that. But before we let you go, um, where can people find more about you and connect with you? Uh, easiest website to find me on is uh, first1stsalestraining.co.uk. So that's uh, firstsalestraining.co.uk. But look me up on um, on LinkedIn and feel free to connect. I'm, um, I'm really big on help and happy. You know, you've yeah. already talked about help, but I think you should uh, you should go out there and, and and try and help as many people as you can, and you should leave the world happier than before you before it bumped into you. Ah. And uh, if if any of you guys want to connect who are listening now, and uh, and, and even send me a, a message, oh, anyone that knows me or can or is connected with me will know that. Well, 
all my friends will tell you this is the only topic of conversation I've actually got. <laughs> so if you, um, if you if you if you want to chat about it, I'd I'd I'd, I'd love a friendly. So yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll put links to your book um, and where people can find your books or your you know couple, but the, the the selling with ease, your LinkedIn profile and and your website. So again, appreciate you coming on the show, mate, and uh, hope the hope the Manchester United has a, has a better season next year. <laughs> Not everybody shares that with you, but thank you so much. And, and it's, 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 it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, mate. Brilliant. What I learned in that episode is that, yes, sales is a combination of art and science. However, the process in which we help customers through the buying process can occur with more ease. My challenge to you this week is, what process are you using to drive greater pipeline velocity? What process are you using helping your customers through the buying process? What process are you using to be the best sales professional you can be?